From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This is Real Talk, a new podcast series where we're going to break down the stigmas and feelings of embarrassment and talk openly and honestly about just how difficult breast cancer can be. From diagnosis to treatment, to living with metastatic breast cancer, to life after treatment ends. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, but we're kicking things off early with a conversation about love and breast cancer. February 14th, it isn't red roses and champagne toasts for everyone. And today's conversation about love reminds us of that. Sunita Harris was diagnosed with aggressive, triple negative breast cancer at age 37, before she found love. LaToya Bolds-Johnson was diagnosed with stage 3C triple negative breast cancer at age 36. She's married with three young girls and struggling to love the skin she's in after treatment for her breast cancer. Whether you're in love or looking to find love, breast cancer changes you physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually. Ladies, thank you for being on today's show to talk about your own personal struggles to be loved and to love. And uh, Sunita, do you want to kind of start off the conversation? Yeah, um, I know, you know, like you talked about, tomorrow is uh, Valentine's Day. And I think that once you get a cancer diagnosis, being a young woman, um, you look at love, especially being single, you look at love a little bit differently um, when that moment happens. And I know for you, Latoya, that um, you do have a husband and a family. Um, so love on, on from your perspective um, definitely looks different than mine. But I wanted to mm-hmm. um, just come to the conversation and kind of talk about, you know, how that initial moment was um, for you when you were diagnosed with uh, breast cancer um, and how it was, you know, kind of re- being um, received by like your husband and your family um, and what that looked like for you. Yeah, um, being diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, in your 30s is definitely something that you never imagine you'd be dealing with, you know, in your 30s, uh, for sure. And yes, um, I am happily married and I have three wonderful daughters. Um, They're very young. And, you know, for me, with this diagnosis of breast cancer, it doesn't just affect me, it affects my whole family, but it definitely affects my husband as well. Um, you know, uh, I can't speak for him 100%, but the part of him that I guess he allowed to be vulnerable because, you know, men usually try to just be all macho and hold everything in. Um, and so I, I can definitely say that it definitely um, affected him a great deal um, because he was scared, you know, scared of, you know, of, of, you know, me potentially dying. And and then, you know, when I went through some body changes uh, with my hair loss, you know, um, that was difficult. Um, my hair started falling out and I was like asking, I just finally asked him to shave it. And that was really hard for him. That was really hard for him. Um, and also post mastectomy was also hard for him too, because, um, you know, I did not, um, I, I still haven't had my reconstruction yet. 
So I, my body is pretty, I'm, you know, I feel like my body is disfigured because I'm flat now because, um, um, it was just kind of recommended because I had to go through so much radiation to not have the expanders in place because of the comp potential complications with that, that I remain flat until I have my reconstruction. So you're not mentally prepared for your body and what it will look like post mastectomy. And nobody actually prepares you for that, especially if you're going to be staying flat for a while. And so you just, you're disfigured. And so it's like, you're, you feel disfigured. And then your husband is perceiving you. He's not He's not telling me, you know, that he's still like, oh, you're pretty, you're beautiful, whatever. But I, I don't feel like that. But he still sees me. It's still a different perspective that he sees me in when he has to, like, help me put on my prosthetic bra, you know. And he's like, man, I just hate that you have to go through this. So it's, it's definitely, it affects your, your loved ones for sure. Yeah. And I remember when I was diagnosed, I was single. And... The one thing that came to my mind, because I never wanted to rush to get into a relationship. Um, but when I got diagnosed, it kind of flashed before my eyes, like, what about marriage? What about kids? Because one thing that women who go through chemotherapy, they have to think about is fertility. Mm -hmm. And our time is ticking, even though, you know, before I didn't really think about that. So when that came up for me, I was really like, oh, wow, I'm not married. I don't have children. Um, and also, I actually had a lumectomy, um, but I was I was um, a candidate for a mastectomy. So I did go through the process of talking to plastic surgeon and um, really doing like research to kind of see, you know, what that would look like. Um, and I, I totally understand. And from that perspective, you know, I just didn't know how how it would be like dating, at, you know, after having a surgery um, like that. So those are things that ran through my mind as well. So I, I can totally understand, um, you know, um, where, where you're coming from in terms of um, in terms of having having the surgery. Um, but another another question I know you talked about, like when you when you lost your hair. I know for me, that was like one thing that was like on my mind a lot. Um, like from the day that I got diagnosed, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my hair. And then I cut my hair and like really low. And then I thought, I'm still going to lose like all of my hair. Um, and so that was like very um, tough for me. So I just want to know, like for you, um, how was that experience like when you lost your hair and what were the things that you kind of tried to do to like make yourself kind of feel okay about it? Or even, um, you know, for me, I like tried to make sure that like I did my makeup or like dressed up. Um, how did you um, keep your beautiful, if that makes sense? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the hair loss, I definitely knew I was going to lose my hair. Um, you know, for me, it for me, it's the hair loss signified like, okay, I'm sick. That's what it signified for me. Like it, it made me appear to others, including myself, that you are now sick. Like this is a validation of you having an, a chronic illness or, you know, <clears throat> the potentially life threatening illness. So I didn't like that part of it um, because there's so many people you know, so many women that you see who have, you may have breast cancer or may still be in active treatment, 
um, you know, and may not have um, hair loss. Like right now, I'm still in active treatment. I still take chemo pills and immunotherapy, but now my hair has grown back. Um, but looking at me, you wouldn't tell that I would have cancer. Like I'm still in active cancer treatment. But with the hair loss and you see someone maybe in the grocery store or whatever it may be, it's like, okay, you know, you look at them, you're like, all right, hey, this person is probably sick, you know, more than likely they're sick. And there's, you know, in, in that, you know, what I call the hardcore chemo, the, the ACT and the red, receiving the red devil and all that stuff. So for me, that's what it signified. Um, and, and also my children, my daughters, they did not like my hair being gone, like at all, not even in the least bit. When I was diagnosed, I had a one-year-old, um, a three, I, my daughters were um, one, three, and six, and now they're three, five, and seven, yeah, so um, they were really young, so they didn't understand that, so all they seen was my hair was gone, and they did not like that, and so I would have to try to like cover it up a lot. Um, I would just wear hair wraps a lot, you know, as much as I could. I didn't wear, you know, sometimes, sometimes I would supplement with wearing wigs, you know, to make myself feel somewhat normal. So, you know, wearing a wig or wearing a hair wrap. Um, and so now that my hair is growing back a little bit now, like I was so excited just recently. And this is the first time I was able to get braids. And uh, my hair was like, it's grew just a little long enough so I can like get braids in. So now I feel like a little bit more, like I feel closer to the normalcy of women, of womanhood, if that makes sense by just having my hair. Cause I feel like, especially, you know, I know you may feel the same way, Sunita, it's like an African-American woman, like our, our hair is our crown and, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it, it definitely played a huge part with the hair loss. For sure. Yeah, I remember when I lost my hair, um, I actually bought a crown. And when I when I lost my hair, I that day I put the crown on mm-hmm. and I just kind of um danced with my little sister because she was there with me at the moment. And we we kind of danced to like a Beyonce song and <laughs> uh brown skin girl. That was the song. Yeah. And it was just a moment where, you know, at one moment I was crying, then I was laughing. And then I was just like, I, I had accepted that moment. And um, to your point, the process, um, especially with, with Black women in our hair, mm-hmm. um, is so important. So that process, when my hair started to grow back, I was very, um, I was very happy. But what I do appreciate about losing my hair, I was able to really see like my true beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I recognized like, you know, without the hair, like I'm still Sunita. Mm-hmm. Still without, beautiful. I'm still beautiful. Um, right. And it's more It's more about like, you know, the outer. It's like what you kind of, you know, bring out. And so, you know, as my hair starts to grow back um, to your, to your um, same point, like I'm starting to try like new things and explore things. And then it becomes like a form of self-care and self-love, you know, like being able to try out like different, styles like whether it's the head wrap or the wigs um etc like it just makes you just feel Mm -hmm. you know so much better so it's like a form of self-love as well Mm -hmm. um so with that said um now that i know that you're still in treat in active treatment and i kind of just finished um a couple months 
ago too, because I did post treatment. Um, so just wanted wanted to know like um, what activities like have you started to do? Like maybe like with with your husband, are you like still like going on dates? I like, and I know like the fatigue is real, right? So mm-hmm. you know you have to pace yourself, but. Uh, what fun things are are you all doing um, just to kind of like, you know, spice things up? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wouldn't say as much different. I mean, now I have a better state of energy. You know, I'm still like I'm fighting through fatigue right now, but I still have like a, a better state of energy. So it's kind of difficult with us just because we have little kids. And so it's always like, you know, you have to secure childcare, you know, to go on, um, you know, date nights, but we've been on, you know, a few date nights or whatever, but I would like to like, I would, my idea would be to just be able to just do staycations whenever we want, you know, at least, you know, just go to a hotel and have like a romantic night staycation. But it's like, you know, we always have, there's always something to do with the girls on the weekends or they have different activities. So, you know, having them, it really, um, it does impact your one-on-one time with your husband. I'm not going to lie to you. It does. Um, when you have children, especially young children. So, um, but you know, if they're like during the day, if they're at school, then, um, you know, every now and then we'll try to like go through like a, a day, you know, like a day, uh, I guess like an afternoon date, you know, so while they're at school. Yeah. So something like that. But um, I personally don't feel sexy anymore because of the body disfigurement. And so I think that impacts some, some areas, but I don't, I mean, I feel better. Like, you know, if I put my little makeup on and throw on one of my Beyonce wigs and a dress or whatever, then I feel someone normal and he compliments me in that area. So he does make me feel like, okay, you know, you're you're the pre you're the toy before cancer. But when I take it all off, then I'm like, okay. There's like a re- a sense of reality that sets in. It's like, okay, all right, girl, you still have cancer. So I don't know. It's just it's it's still a it's still a fighting battle. Is is what I is what I have to say. But I I wish that um, I w- I do want to kick it up a notch. So I just actually thought about um, <laughs> doing some um like pole dancing classes <laughs> as a form of exercise. So I'm gonna I am going to make that a mission of self care as a form of exercise this beginning this new year to at least try to do that twice a week. And my goal would to, would be to like you know, have um, developed some skills so that I can um, display them to him at some point in the near future. Well, since you brought up pole dancing classes, <laughs> I actually tried that. Um, uh-huh. So um, I'm happy that you um, shared everything mm. um, about, um, you know, how, how, you're, how you were feeling um, in terms of like sometimes not feeling so se- so sexy because I also um, have felt like that um, as well and I think that as we go through it's like a our body is like doing like this transformation mm-hmm. and like we're trying to get back to ourselves so for me um, I hadn't really dated like during like the hardcore treatment just because I was just so focused on just trying to mm-hmm. live 
Um, but once I kind of finished like uh, the the really hardcore, I tried to put myself back out there um, into the into the dating world. But what I realized, um, and you know, in addition to that, was that I had to feel comfortable like with myself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, most recently, I just had this this craving for me to get to know myself better. Um, so I did try um, pole dancing class, and it was really it was a fun way for me to kind of get used to like my my new body or mm-hmm. like how I feel now. And it was also something that was kind of fun, right? To like kind of be flirty with you, with yourself. So. Mm-hmm. If you need any tips, I don't have, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, um, you know, you know, we can, we can probably catch up and go to a class together. I would would love to do something like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah. But in addition to that, like, I've just been trying like different things that, Mm -hmm. you know, can help me boost my confidence from like pole dancing class. I went to a sex, a sex um, embodiment class Mm -hmm. to just to learn more about you know, partnership and things like that. So I think the more that we explore, mm-hmm. the more we can start to feel comfortable, like with our, with our, um, with ourselves, with our sexuality, um, with how we feel internally about ourselves. So kudos to you for um, wanting <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, pole dancing is fun. I mean, I, I took a class before and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, reenact that because that was, it's, it's like cardio and then, I don't know. I, I feel sexy when I do it. I'm not gonna lie. Like it, it feel it makes you feel, you know, a little bold, you know, bodacious. Like so, yeah. I'm for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I know that we kind of talked about, um, you know, in terms of like adjusting to to your new body. Um, and I know like sometimes you know talking to other women kind of helps. Um. What have you done to like get, you know, like support from other other women who've, who've kind of been through like this, the same thing? Um, what support I've received from other women who've been through the same journey? Um, well, you know, I always I, I, <laughs> I recently well, I say now that um, being a breasty is not something that I woke up and said, hmm, I want to be part of this sisterhood but when you do meet other breasties it's a it's a you know it's a sisterhood that is unspeakable you know it's a connection that we don't have to try to create or try to foster a fake relationship when you're a, bre- a breastie you know what i'm saying like it's like a commonality it's like a it's like this common energy that you have when you meet another breastie that it is some things that you don't have to say that your breasty sister understands versus like my non-breasty friends, they they don't understand. Like I had um, a non-breasty friend tell me um, that I've known since I was in high school and we're pretty close friends. But when I lost my breast, um, she was just like, oh, it's no big deal. You can get some more. <laughs> and I was like, I was really offended by it because I'm sitting here looking at myself and I feel so disfigured and you're just telling me, oh, they're just breasts. is no big deal. No, it is a big deal. I mean, would you tell someone who had their legs amputated that is no big deal? My breasts were amputated from my body. My breasts served as a form of, um, you know, feeding my children and maternal bonding and, 
you know, them laying in my bosom or my husband laying in my bosom, like I don't have that anymore. It hurts. My chest hurts. My chest is always tender. So my husband can't just lay on my chest. My children can't just lay on my chest anymore. So I took that in. I was very offended by it. So, so, but if I say that to you, you know, I know, I know that you're going to understand it. You know, even if you don't, you're not flat, it's still some form of disfigurement or transition, whether, you know, you've had to get reconstruction or stay flat or whatever it may be, you understand. Um, so I think I receive more from my breasties than I probably give as far as, I mean, I do advocate and things like that, but as far as the, in that area, I think I receive more than, than anything from my breasties. And I agree with you. And I feel like that support is needed, right? Because mm -hmm to experience that experience no one else can like relate to you and i've heard the same thing like it's a free boob job no it's not no it's not no it's really not and you know um even even myself when i had to think about my surgery as a woman who didn't have children yet you know i thought about when I have a child, like, am mm. I going to be able to, um, to breastfeed and things like that? So it's just something that, you know, you can relate whether you, you've had, um, you know, a lumectomy or a mastectomy. I think all women who've gone through this can like relate in some type of way, um, just because the journey, um, is, is so tough. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate my breasties. It's not to your point, it's not a club that, I wanted to be a part of, but then when I discovered the community in it mm -hmm. and how um, I can actually, you know, talk to other women about things that I've gone through very personal. Um, it's just been, it's just been a, a great community for, for, for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like a more of like a safe space and a safe haven and, and it serves, it provides a level of comfortability that you can't describe with, you know, non-breasty friends, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, I know this is all about um, all about love. Um, and I know for, for myself, like I said, I've been doing like activities to kind of, you know, get myself out, out there. Is there anything that you would like to say to, you know, someone who just, who just got the news and like they're really, you know, thinking about how this will affect like their, their love life. Um, is there any like advice you could give to them or anything that you would say to them? Um, well, I can't, I, I guess I can't really speak, um, you know, in the perspective as a single woman because I'm married, but I can definitely say as a married woman with a new diagnosis is like, you know, receive the love that your husband is wanting to give you, even though when you may not feel worthy of love or you may feel like you don't feel that that self-love about yourself, just allow him to love on you. And it's a work in progress for myself as well. But to also um, know that he, um, your partner is going to need that affection in return too, because they're going through something too. Seeing you lose your hair and sick and losing your breast or, you know, they're going through things too. So just try to, I guess, just try to take little moments of showing him affection as well as, you know, as a, as a new woman, as a woman with a new diagnosis is what I would say. 
um, you know, uh, accept those foot rubs, <laughs> you know, ask your partner for those foot rubs, you know, um, that can be your bonding time, um, is what, is what I would say. It's just kind of like, just, just, just be vulnerable, just be open to receiving it. And I will tell you, um, you know, I was amazed to hear about so many women who, um, at a community, at an event that I attended last year. And I don't know, I'll probably say it was about 20 of 20 of us breasties and like out of, it was like maybe just three of us who were married. And then I heard about so many other stories from the other women who, when they received their diagnosis, that their husbands left them, you know? And I was just, I was just, I just was just like, how could you leave your wife? (laughs) that you vowed and committed to for a sickness and, and through health, you know, uh, for the good and bad, how can you just leave them um, when you um, are married to them and they get, you know, a cancer diagnosis? But, you know, a lot of the women were like, you know what, that means he wasn't for me. That means he didn't, he didn't really take his commitment to marriage as serious as he, as he should have. And this was God's way of removing him from my life to receive someone better in the future. So, yeah, I've heard those stories as well. And it's like, it's really tough. And I know um, I have I know a lot of single breasties who are out there and looking for love, like regardless Mm -hmm. of like their health status. And it's like you still do deserve love, Mm -hmm. even though you've been through something so tough, you still do deserve it. And, Mm. you know, I think that as a single woman, you do have a lot to think about now. So it's kind of, for me, it was not more of a priority, like doing, doing that process. But now that, you know, I'm kind of like on the other end of it, um, I do look at it differently. Right. And like what I want out of a relationship and you have to be more intentional now with life, with anything in life, just because Mm -hmm. of the seriousness of what you've been through. And so now, um, you know, even even like a lot of women that I've like um, talked to along the journey and I've read like tons of articles um, about it. And I know um, for a single woman who who has probably gone through like even surgery, it's like, how do you have those conversations Mm -hmm. with the with the um, with someone? Mm -hmm. And I remember like when I was first started like talking to someone I'm like well do I say something like the first conversation like hey my name is Sunita oh and by the way I've been diagnosed with breast cancer yeah like is that something I'm supposed to say or do I wait until like the sec the second date or the third date so it's like those tricky conversations Mm -hmm. now that you like started to think about Mm -hmm. and then you're like well if I tell them like do they will they just like run away Mm -hmm. I've had experiences where like I've been open and, and vulnerable and mm-hmm. told people and like it was just like too much for them and, mm-hmm. they're, and they're like look I can't deal with I can't you know do this or and mm-hmm. that's okay you know like to, to get that like to your point I would rather know up front yeah you know, up front to, to um you know continue on a journey but you know, it's a it's a tricky um, you know, conversation or way to navigate dating after being having a um cancer diagnosis. But the more you think about it, the more people you know who have had a diagnosis. So then you kind of understand like, hey, you know, 
Um, even though at the moment it doesn't feel, you know, like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like the norm, like the normal thing to do, but it's like something that you can get, you know, comfortable, comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's probably based on like your energy, um, you know, what the energy you're feeling from that person that you may meet. And, you know, what I would say and you know, what I, what another breasty girlfriend said too, is like, you know, she was showing me, you know, her reconstructed breast or whatnot. She was like, look, whatever guy I'm with now, he's going to have to accept my scars. You know, he's going to have to be comfortable with my scars, you know, in and out. And, you know, and if that person, I think a jewel, you know, finding a really great jewel is that when you meet that person and you tell him, you know, at whatever point you do decide to tell him about your diagnosis and he sees your body and he's comfortable with your body, then you know you've captured a jewel because he sees you and he doesn't just see a surface and he's still okay with it, you know? So that that that's somebody that is like, okay, you want to hold on to him. Or, you know, because, you know, that person is like, okay, you know, I don't care. You know, I still want to get to know you or, you know, I like you or I think I'm falling in love with you despite your your scars. Because that's that's somebody that you know that, okay, he's definitely marriage potential, you know. So that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. Like that is, you know. Um, what do they call it? Like a diamond and <laughs> yeah, a diamond in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, this is what I will say in closing that you know, ladies, single ladies, you know, in the dating scene, post you know, post cancer diagnosis, is that um, I think that manifestation is great. I think that you know, positive affirmations and positive energy that that it's all real energy that you're you know expressing in the universe. But what I will say is that be open as well to a partner not meeting every single bulletin on your checklist. You know, like have some adaptation. I'm not saying to you know lower your standards to the lowest of the low. But what I'm saying is, is that your, your, your actual partner may not be the person that you envision yourself to be with, but it's all about how that you'll know when you meet that person, but just don't exclude him because, well, he doesn't have this, or he doesn't have a set seven figure income or, you know, whatever it may be. So that's what I will say is like, don't exclude someone if he doesn't check every single box down your list. I totally agree, agree with you um, on that. And I know like we have like these lists, bucket lists, <laughs> like he has to be this and he has to be that and he has to be that. And then like the guy comes along who's like perfect for you and you're like, oh, okay. So just be, have an open heart is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good advice. Well, mm-hmm. ladies, this has been, um, uh, it's special. It, it's it's really uh, it's really special for you to allow us to um, to just understand where you're coming from and to sort of witness your own private conversation. And I just I just want to thank you for for letting us in and sharing your stories. And and I know that in doing that, it's going to help so many people. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I hope so. That's the mission. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.